hey you. I want to share with you something that I genuinely think will transform your life and your business, to be honest. HDX is open from now until May 17 with a few special bonuses. Join before May 11 and get my eight-week Purpose and Abundance course completely free, which is $888 worth of value. And if you join before May 17, we're actually going to give you $999 off our upcoming Mexico retreat. I mean, how good a freaking deal is that? And if you join before May 17, then you'll be in time for two amazing bonus classes this month in HDX with my personal business consultant, Nikki Rowley. Now, this is the woman that has helped scale my business significantly in the last year or so, and I am sharing her with my HDX community. She'll be teaching on how to grow and scale for business and what strategies and structures will actually get you there. She will also host a bonus business Q&A, which means you can actually ask my consultant anything you want to ask her about growing and scaling your business. This is an opportunity that could transform your life and your business, so don't miss out. I would like to begin by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land on which we meet today, the Arakwell people of the Bunjalung Nation, and pay my respects to the elders past, present, and emerging. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Human Design Podcast with me, your host, Emma Dunwoody. I'm a qualified master coach and human behavior specialist, as well as being a qualified human design coach. And I work with clients every single day to answer the big questions. Who am I? Why am I here? And what is my purpose? I also assist them to transition from the person they think they should be to the person they really are on the inside. I teach people how to actually live their design instead of just knowing it. And if this is something that you want to do too, well, stay tuned or reach out for private coaching or human design unpacks where I show you exactly how to live your design. I am so excited to share today's guest with you. Today I'm talking to Elijah Parker. And he is from the Jenkies, if you haven't heard of him before, but I'm sure many of you will have. He's a 6-2 sacral generator, um, left angle cross of cycles two. And Elijah has dedicated the last decade to integrating the language of the Jenkies deeply into his life. This has given him the unique ability to transmit profound truths in a spontaneous and elegant manner. A core member of the Gene Keys business team, Elijah is a master of both left and right brain modalities, using his wide range of technical skills, including video editing, animation, music, and web design to help create learning systems, virtual retreats, and expressive art. Elijah is best known for his work on Akasha Game of Life project, his personal sessions, and of course, Gene Keys readings and his collaborative work with the outdoor land art and music community. This was such a brilliant conversation with a beautiful human where we talk a little tiny bit about the Gene Keys, but then we dive deep into the Venus sequence. So get your pens and paper out, people. Get your Gene Keys profile out and play along at home. Enjoy. Hey, hey, everyone, and welcome to today's episode. 
I am so excited about today's guest because, well, I've been waiting a while. We've been, our calendars have been kind of flip-flopping. Obviously, I've been away walking the Camino for a long time. Um, And finally, I get to say hello and welcome to Elijah Parker. Welcome. Oh, thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to be here. I am just, I love your journey. I love how you have become, like how the the gene keys have become a part of who you are and what you do and that you walk this, what I would call a non-linear path. It's like, I'm going to do a bit of this and a bit of that, and it's all perfect just the way it is. But before we kind of get to the role that you play within the gene keys, I always love to start with my guests. Um, Actually, I'm going to jump in and just let everyone know your human design, of course, because- You know, everyone wants to know that. So you are a 6-2 sacral generator, cross of cycles two. Is there anything else you want to share specifically about your design with the audience? I believe I'm quad left. I think Mm. that's, uh, (laughs) I'm still learning, you know, I've dabbled in human design, but I am by no means an expert, but I always enjoy, and I always call myself an overworking Capricorn. So you get that. I love it. (laughs) Yeah, I love it. I love it. And it's so like, um, Taylor, who is um, my operations manager, she's a cross of cycles and it's crazy the power that you guys have like when when it's like okay no really I need to let go of this and I'm going to expand and create this wow you guys are powerful it's so beautiful to watch like I just like to see the incredible things that can be expanded upon um all right so let's get into it I would love to hear your story I in my personal journey and so many people that I talk to I feel like there's this catalyst And there's this catalyst in our life. Some people might call it the dark night of the soul. Um, It's a challenge. It's that invitation to adventure in the hero's journey that really, for me, I think this is the time where we start to amplify our purpose. I really think that, you know, so often we look for our purpose in the work that we're doing and the highs and the wins. But really, I think it starts in this catalytic moment where we're invited through challenge on this adventure. So I'd love to hear about that time for you and just a little bit about the journey of becoming who you are today after working through that. Mm. Thank you so much. That's a great invitation. It was interesting, just even as you asked the question, I saw maybe not like end of life, life flashing before my eyes, like, oh, there are these, there's this golden thread that connects these different experiences. And Immediately when you asked about the catalyst, one of the first big ones was getting hit by a car, you know, and uh, I I was in college, I was in my junior year of college, I was on a scooter and got clipped um, and, you know, messed up my body and I was already on a journey of, I loved sacred geometry, I had just been drawing this uh, Taurus shape moments before I got on the scooter to go, (laughs) go into this next initiation of my life and so there was already a seeker in me looking for looking at archetypes, looking at, you know, Kabbalistic magic and exploring archetypes in myself and in the world. But when the rubber meets the road, quite literally, or when the skin hits the road, there is this moment of there was a moment of homecoming, you know, and I didn't know it at the time. But like there were parts of me that were just 
having to come home in a real way, having to come into this body. And it sent me on a path that eventually, through a series of initiations, actually led me to things like the jinkies, led me to move, led me to transform my life and meditation and uh, biofeedback, learning about the brain and learning how our bodies are these instruments of harmony and learning to tune into that. So I think those catalysts of incredible pain and incredible trauma and challenge they're the wake-up calls that we can't ignore, right? I, I was stuck in a bed and massaged my leg saying that my cells are whole and complete. They're just remembering who they always were, remembering the DNA in there, remembering their natural structure. And over time, there's breakthroughs and it takes time. But I, I definitely think that was a huge catalytic moment. And I can see how it was, you know, it informed so many of my later decisions. Mm. I love that. And I think like one of my um, biggest messages, I think, is to understand that these moments that look like it's a catastrophe, it looks like, oh my God, it's all over, but actually they're the opposite. And if we can get to that place where we can actually lean in and say, okay, well, in some weird way, this is an invitation for me to go in and discover my greatness. So I love to hear that story that it really was that moment where you started to I don't know, double down on the seeking piece, which is just beautiful. And I love that you are huge into sacred geometry. I feel like this is another conversation we need to have because I've only recently kind of been introduced to it by a friend. And now I'm like trying to find this exact piece that I want tattooed onto my body. So um, that may be a discussion that uh, we can have offline another time. Um, So tell us with the Gene Keys, I know you do so much from the technical to the teaching. Tell us a little bit about the role that you play at the Gene Keys right now. Excellent. Yeah, it's 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 a special role because I do have very right brain, left brain, you know, responsibility way behind the scenes and then get up on camera and be be here with, you know, many hundreds of people who come to our calls and our retreats. And um, so I, uh, from a title, I'm the head of creative operations and creative projects, and I kind of have my hand in everything. And I think it's an amazing reflection of my life of how important relationships are in in all of business and all of creative projects. It's it's what brought me to community. It's what brings me to create with people. It, it's a part of life is this interconnection of relationships. And I have a very technical minded, you know, reality, the sacred geometry part of me digs into the framework, to the skeleton, to the bullet points, to the secret, you know, infrastructure. And so I build from that place just naturally. That's where I like to build is what are the bones? I have this line one vocation for those that know the jinkies. And I I like to feel the bones of, of the structure. And then I have this part of me that loves to speak, that loves to share. My art is my voice, is my words, are my, you know, reflections of life. And I want to live my life as art. So it naturally put me in front of the camera to just say, hey, we can do this together. We get to go on a journey together. And over the years that, um, you know, uh, 12 years, I think, learning the language of the jinkies, there's naturally a little bit of a uh, fluidity that I've established so that I can really share with people, whether it's in sessions or in retreats or at Q and A's. And so I love to to do that part because it means I get to connect with people and their stories, which is where 
all this doesn't matter if it's not coming alive in people's lives. So I'm really grateful to have that balance of do the spreadsheets, keep the website online, you know, help run the projects with all the amazing people behind the scenes that, you know, do the plumbing of this incredible ship that we've built together, and then also get to step out and, and get to share and be with people in that way. I love it. I think this is such a great example of um, business in the future. You know, I talk a lot about this um, on the podcast. I have a lot of entrepreneurs and um, really talented people on the podcast. And we talk a lot about, you know, what is business going to look like in the new paradigm? And I think you're such a great example of it, you know, like being able to do all the things that are aligned to you, that you do love, that light you up instead of being put into this little box. And even from a human design point of view, not being put into a little box because, you know, you have this, therefore you can or can't do that. And I don't love that. I I think one of the things that I really love about the gene keys is I feel like human design is epic and it's amazing, but it can have this like this stagnation to it, especially a lot of the old school teachers. That's kind of like, this is it. This is who you are. And basically you're screwed because you can't change it. Whereas you bring the gene keys along and you're like, here's this beautiful journey. Here's this journey that you're going to go through. This is your essence. And in most cases, what I see in my work is that people are working so hard to try and change themselves. And what they don't understand is they're just expressing their essence from fear instead of love. And gene keys for me is what brings us that focus of that journey, being able to say, okay, cool. I might be expressing it from the fear state. What is it here to teach me? What can this shadow piece um, help me connect deeper to myself? What do I need to integrate, bring in instead of pushing away? And then what's this potential that lies within me? And I think that for me, because I suppose my entire life mission is to know my greatest potential. That's what I think the gene keys really, really gives us. Thank you for saying that. I think that's so resonant with me of that spectrum that you're talking about, that shadow gift, these frequency patterns that we actually do have agency inside that pattern. And it doesn't mean that we can change everything. We are that shadow pattern. That is part of me. That's the beauty of it is actually we are designed with that flaw, challenge, trauma, whatever you want to call it, that constriction is in there. And the agency to evolve with that, the potential for that gift to shine through that instead of trying to get rid of. And in a business setting, I think that's critical to our transformation of business of like, leave relationships at home, you know, business is cold, and it's all isolated in here, just like the what you're saying with any system that tries to put you in a box, and that's all you're allowed to be here. You know, it severs you from we're actually constantly all intertwining our auras, our magics, our genius, our relationships. And what I love about the Jinkies is after years of working in different iterations, but it's always people are drawn to this particular work, luckily, because they're looking for that introspective magical activation inside themselves. So they were drawn to the teachings, which means we were drawn by something more than just the paycheck, by just the um, even even you know, not even in a negative way, but we all need to pay the bills to respond to nature. But there was something deeper that drew us there. So it's helped us survive and thrive and evolve through challenge. And I love that the people that I work with, I mean, they're like family at this point of like, we've seen each other in breakdowns and breakthroughs and heightened states and in low states. And can we bring that kind of tenderness and 
transparency to many layers of our life. And that doesn't mean melt every barrier and it get all messy and confused in the stew pot, but also can we be brave enough to know that we're bringing all sides of ourselves into business, into partnership and into our life. And instead of trying to silo and separate, like you were speaking, that any kind of mental system devoid of heart and experience and relationship can be very isolating. Even, even if it is intelligent, it can still feel isolating. Yeah. Oh my God. I love that. And I think you're so spot on. I'm, as you're speaking, I'm just reflecting on my business and my team. And, you know, I do have the 37 in my um, personality son. So it's a really big thing for me. And it's this family piece, you know, like I run this business and you know, we have this incredible team, but they're a team of experts. They're all specialists. No one's managing anyone. Everyone's managing themselves. We're all on this mission together. We get to lean into our our challenges. And, you know, Taylor and I actually just sort of sit back and go, wow, look what we're building. We're building this real family that's on a mission that we really, you know, like if our team doesn't feel supported by us emotionally, then we're not doing the job. Like we have to make sure that we're supporting them in all areas so that they can be vulnerable and honest and courageous and brave so that we can, you know, walk our talk. So I just love everything that you're saying. And I, and I love that, you know, there's always those boundaries. I'm an, I'm an emotional authority. There is this part that we have to take responsibility for our emotions and our stories and our meanings and all of those things, not indulge them, not repress them. But then there is this beautiful safety that we can create, whether it's a family, whether it's a team, whatever it is, that all of us is welcome. And I think that the Gene Keys really helps us um, and human design really helps us give ourselves big permission to be like, well, this is me, you know, like the good, the bad and the ugly. (laughs) Absolutely. I love that. So I would love if it's okay with you to focus today on the Venus sequence. Here on the podcast, I've talked a lot, and I I wonder if you get this quite a bit. Um, I've talked a lot about the golden path. I've talked a lot specifically about um, the pearl sequence. I've talked a lot about our um, activation sequence. And there was part of me that was kind of like, you know, the, the Venus sequence, you know, I think I've got this relationship thing worked out. And then when I finally got to it, and I even was listening to Richard Rudd on the um, the recording, and he's like, well, it kind of came left of field and it was really powerful and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, nah, I got this. Holy crap, I did not got this. And what I think is so powerful right, like right now that we're sitting here in this moment is that this is a time for me that I really want to be diving into this and looking into this. And even as I was doing research and listening to you on other podcasts, I'm having these aha moments, like just ping, 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 ping. Um, So can we, if it's cool with you, can we dive into the Venus sequence and just give us an overview? And if it's okay with you, can I just sort of share my Venus sequence as we go for some insights? That sounds great. I would love that. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. So should we start with purpose? Or in fact, do you want to give us a little bit of an overview of what the Venus sequence is? And then um, and then we can start with purpose. Sure. That sounds good. You know, and, and even just to touch on that of there isn't an, a, a 
profound power to, you know, I even call it the Venus stream because there's a lot of water allegory inside the Venus sequence. And I remember a similar, you know, hesitancy. And and I think that's great when you think, oh, I've got my relationships on lock. What, a, what an amazing green flag, red flag that is for our inner certainty, because of course we want to have that confidence and knowing if, no, I'm doing my deep inner work and things are going well. And I love that about the jinkies and any deep work is if you dive back in, there's always more. And that, that starts with a scary of, oh God, there's always more because there's deeper layers of that unknown cellular trauma that I'm holding, but that also means there's more access to this incredible ecstatic love that's available there. And so even, you know, in my journey right now, like going back in tenderly with beginner's mind, just being, okay, I'm an empty cup again. Let me, let me be filled by this wisdom, by this Venus stream again. And so when I approach it now, I have a level of respect because I've seen it rock me and many other people. If you just kind of dive in unsure, and that's not to scare anyone, but it is a sequence that goes through six spheres and they explore specific, you know, from the human design, they explore specific gates, like the rest of the golden path is, is a reflection of these specific keys in your sequence. And they tell a story, unwinding old incarnation experiences. So we start with purpose, with the ground of our being, with the you know, the whole beautiful uh, language of the Jinkies positions the purpose as separate from our life's work and our pearl of prosperity. It says, no, 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 forget about what you do. Who are you as this human body in this vessel or being and looking at relationships as central to our activating, to living our dharma, to living our purpose in the world. And so I love that the Venus starts us there of come down into our core stability, come down into who we are in our mm. bodies, in these vessels, and then open the door into the incredible love of relationship. Mm, I love that. And when I first started this and started this fear and asked myself the question, you know, like, what is my purpose in relationships? And I'm the 16 line five. And it kind of blew my mind because I'd never thought of it that way. I'd never you know, I'm a behavioralist. I've asked all the questions. I've, you know, I'm so conscious of my identity and my mindset and my belief systems and all of this thing. And then to have this whole new question of my purpose in relationship and then going through this process of the 16 line five, it just blew my mind. Cause all of a sudden I'm like, wow, I'm, and not that I'm a control free, cause it's kind of not my thing, but it was that moment of, wow, I'm not in control. Like this is the lesson that's been handed to me. Um, you know, I can rewire whatever brain I want to rewire and I could, you know, do all of these things with my identity, but this is my heart, my core. This is something that is, you know, inviting me in and deeper. And to see it through that frame, I thought was just mind blowing. That's phenomenal to hear. I mean, I can even hear it in your voice, right? That line five, that mastery of your voice and the tone and frequency being so important, being being even more important than maybe those more controlling parts of us that are like, let me put it in the right <laughs> positions. But this incredible versatility of all those different tools now coming through the actual purpose, which is that incredible impact that your your very aura has in the space and the people in your business and your all the community listening to this like wow what a powerful thing to have your enthusiasm of that line that 16 that incredible versatile virtuoso mastery 
coming through the vibration of the voice, not even, not just the content, not just the doing part of that line five. That's very good at universalizing wisdom so that we can have our, our gifts and eat them too. But the very frequency is what's doing that transformational work. And then to apply that into relationships so that that mastery power dynamic doesn't feel unhealthy or unfed in certain areas. Mm -hmm. It can feel it's safety that you spoke of. I just love that. And it's probably been my biggest challenge, you know, like a trusting my voice as it comes out. When I started, especially when I started the, the podcast, I was kind of like, does anyone actually want to hear this? You know, it was really like, "Mm." um, and in relationships, like mm-hmm. I've just got back from walking uh, the Camino, which is, I don't know if you, do you know the Camino? Yeah. Just by so, story. Yeah. yeah. So I've, this is the second time I've done it. And the first time it was like, I was just this magnet and it was like all these people like came to me and you had these deep conversations and, you know, they walked, they went away feeling healed and changed and transformed. And I just feel, felt exhausted. Um, and now this time going through it and I'm such a different person five years later, I walked it with incredible people, including my, my eldest son. And I didn't feel like no one was taking that from me. And it really made me realize how powerful my voice is, but that it has to go both ways. And that in relationship, it is so important that I have my voice, that I say, that I speak, that I, um, not only for me, but for the other person. So yeah, mind blowing. That's such such a powerful thing. And I just want to honor like that. That is your purpose coming through the, the, the reclaiming of that healthy power dynamic, because that line five for me and the purpose, especially it is here to rewrite stories of abuse and misuse of power. So why am I afraid to use this voice in this relationship? You know, it might be repressive. It might be reactive. It might be trying to control. I might be trying to defend, but either way, it's because my cells know there has been abuse and misuse of this power that I've misused my magic and others have misused it against me. And that reclaiming of that power, what a, what a beautiful thing of now you don't have to run so much energy to defend, but also that you get to have that intertwined agency with the world and we all benefit. I think that's the beauty of the purpose is as we relax into our purpose, we all benefit uh, even without us needing to do the change, if that makes sense. A hundred percent. And I I totally, I think that's another thing that's so beautiful about all of this work is that it it lets us relax into our being to, you know, you know, who we're here to be. So awesome. Thank you. So what's next? We've got the attraction next, correct? Yep. Yeah. So it moves. I always see, if you look at the golden path, it's these red spheres up the center. And I always think of it like the sap moving up the tree. Um, And so we come from the roots of our chart and then up slowly through these, uh, these, these inner plumbing pipeways of our relationships. And uh, that attractor sphere is the next sphere. So this is the design moon. And a part of its story is how we attract and repel like the moon moving with the tides, how we attract and repel relationships and relationship patterns in our creativity, in our sexual relationships, in our intimate partnerships, in a way, all of our relationships. And I love that Richard really put his his bardic twinge on this to say, like all the people looking out there to tweak the attractor field, to attract their highest desires and, and try to use it to get what they want. 
his his proposition here and that I've found really powerful is what if we're already attracting the minerals and nutrients that we need to unravel our karma and live our dharma? That's where that attractor sphere sits as a calling of these patterns. And that doesn't mean we'll always call in the shadow, but it also doesn't mean we'll always call in the gift and the city. We're calling the right nutrients. And, and as always with all the Venus sequence, I humbly and lovingly say, this does not excuse abusive behavior and, and things that have been done to us and to the collective, but it is our opportunity inside those challenges to grow and heal and hopefully continue to give our children and the world around us more opportunity to experience those challenges in, in less harmful ways. So this isn't another excuse of, oh, I this happened to me because. It's not just a victim stance, but it is learning that magnetism of, wow, look at the same pattern in multiple relationships over time. The common denominator is still me. So I'm giving away my power or I'm, I'm not understanding this part of myself and I'm calling that into my life in some way. So that's mm-hmm. the, the power of that juicy of that attractor field. I love that as well, because I'm always talking about like, really, there is no such thing as good, bad, right or wrong. It's just resourceful or it's unresourceful. Right. And I love that the way, uh, the perception of that, because if we're calling in everything that we need, um, that means that even some of the hard stuff presupposes that we need that. And we do because we're humans. We want to grow. We want to evolve. Now we do have, I think, some agency there where if we take ownership and responsibility and say, yeah, wow, that pattern keeps showing up. And now I'm going to actively do something about it, whether it's, you know, healing, learning, transport, whatever it is, then we have that opportunity to move through that. But I love that. I think it's so important that we got to stop labeling you saying things like we need to fix ourselves or we're broken or we even, even the heal, like heal. Yeah. It's kind of halfway for me because we're exactly where we need to be. And as humans in my belief system, we've come here to learn lessons. And the only way we do that is we first identify that there is fear. And once we can start to work through that and work with that and integrate that, and like you said earlier, understand that it's a part of us and it's going to show up. So stop sticking it over there in the corner and just be like, "Mm, hey, old friend. And then all of a sudden it doesn't become the thing that, that stops us or slows us down or gets in our way. It's just it's just part of the journey. I love that. So can you, I'd love your reflection. We In the attraction, and I feel like the with the attraction sphere for me, it's kind of like, mm, I'm not really, I haven't really got my head around it yet. And I'm the 53 line five. Um, the immaturity piece, I was like, oh, oh, if I go back, like, oh. And it's a real balance of um, me going from, this expansion and super abundance, like just being this awesome human to just being this two-year-old. Like I can see that that real polarity, especially earlier on in my journey. But I also realized that that was that what I was calling in. I was calling in this forever immaturity. So is that, what's the word? I was going to say, is that true? But mm, I suppose I'm the one that decides it's true. But is that me sort of reading it correctly? Yeah, I love that exploration. I think that's what's so potent is to look at how do I attract that shadow, which is great to look at like, oh, look at all those immature examples. And then noticing where's the energy go in those patterns, right? What what kept cycling and wasting my creative sexual power 
by feeding those old stories and that that jinky especially 53 the expansion it's it wants to expand into superabundant love so it makes immature choices along the way right it over expands in one area so it might be sexuality or it might be career or it might be with this one thing you know so just watching like what's the energy signature to my creative vitality because i was calling in immaturity you know to help unwind stuck energy uh, like you said, we we kind of need friction. We're humans. We we get lazy. We get comfortable. So we draw in these power dynamics. Line five, right? Draw in these power dynamics that rustle the immaturity shadow, so that I can learn how do I grow holistically, expansion, gradual progress. About fifty three, it grows in kind of each of my dimensions at the same time. So creatively, if you go really too fast and too hard in one direction, other parts start to collapse. Whereas this is your gyroscopic center that expands holographically, if that makes sense. Mm, I love that. That Because I'm definitely, you know, um, one of those people, even in my work, I often talk about the elephant in the room. So we might be working really hard to grow our business and do the thing, um, but we're just like putting our relationship over in that back corner because we're like, well, there's nothing I can do about that. But yeah, I, I totally get that. Like we, to fully expand, and I know for me personally that I'm so aware that where is my frequency? What am I not looking at? What am I, where am I playing um, where it's where I know I can have influence? And what are those things that I perceive I don't have influence? Like where am I giving my power away? Where am I not taking responsibility? So I love that. And I think I can definitely see that immaturity piece for me is always like, oh, it'll be okay. It'll work out, you know, like just giving away responsibility in that way. So um, yeah, and that power dynamic again, I think I even remember back in my advertising days, um, I worked on, on the agency side. So I did a lot of my role was negotiating. And Every time the salespeople would come in and they're like, oh, Emma's so lovely. Um, we'll just, and they would come and they would give me my best, their best deal straight away. And then I would be like, oh, this is a great jumping off point. So what about blah, 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 blah. And they'd always be like, oh my God, I didn't see that coming, you know? And I think I've been very aware of that power dynamic that people almost underestimate me because I'm nice and because I'm kind and because I'm transparent. And they've, you know, perceived that that's a weakness or in some level I've perceived it's a weakness. Hello, gate 37. Hello, 37. Um, and then it's it's really played out in that power dynamic over time. So yeah, I love that. That's brilliant. It's so beautiful to hear that story. And I think right there too, you know, these also become our gifts that these shamanic superpowers that we give out through our relationships. And so here's that rewriting that story, not only of your own perceived weakness and the perceptions of that, but also bringing that now into your business where you became, again, that voice, right? So the attractor field points down to our purpose to make sure, hey, are you living? Are you relaxing into your dharma, into your purpose of I actually do need to bring the elephants into the room because that line five is so good at unraveling those places of power dynamics and structures and where things aren't being used correctly, efficiently, you know, magically efficiently. And to be that voice for others authentically through yourself. So no longer defending your, I'm not weak, I'm going to show up in this way, but this power is here for a very unique and powerful reason. And you are unraveling that karma for the whole field around you when you speak to it. 
And, it, you know, it's one of the reasons why I call that five in the attractor field, the shamanic seductress, right? It's like, help seduce us back into ourselves. That's what I mean by those words of that. <laughs> Does I that love resonate? that. Oh my God, so much. And I'm thinking um, primarily of, so Taylor, who, who um, is so fundamental in my business, but in my life. And one of the primary roles, like, yes, she's amazing. And yes, she does all this back-end stuff in the business and she's extraordinary, but it's the human that I'm so grateful to have been a part of. And I'm like constantly like, in the beginning, it was like just coaxing her out. Like, come on, you're extraordinary. Yep. Come on, come on, you can do this. And to watch her step into that and to really like own it and to watch her start to the way she's interacting with the team now as the leader and all of these things like oh my god it just lights me up so I feel it's so much resonance with that expanding leadership there's your attractor field right there (laughs) (laughs) oh my god I love that and I feel like that's also the work that we do so many of the Mm -hmm. people that we have in our community are the leaders that are you know leading the other groups so that's really resonant. Oh, this is exciting. I'm loving it. So Elijah, what's next? So then we move up to the sphere of the IQ and there are these pathways that connect each sphere. And so everyone has the same pathway, the same sphere, but your jinky, your gate inside it and the line is different. So from the purpose to the attractor is the Dharma pathway. And from the attractor to the IQ is the karma pathway. And that's why I have that line in the attractor of help us to unravel our karma the intelligence that's been constricted in certain patterns in our life that wants to be liberated, to live our dharma all the way down to the purpose. So you can see those three are kind of connected in the stream. And the IQ in particular, it's it's a beautiful balance because it's actually Venus, but it's personality Venus, but it's also very much the mental plane and not just the mind, the thinking mind, but the mental plane, the place of divine thought, the place where when we're ages 14 to 21, we're starting to integrate our own psychology, our own individuated way of thinking of the world. So you'll see in the deeper parts of the Venus sequence, we actually talk about recapitulating those memories and looking at relationships during that time and patterns. But even as an adult, for me, one of the things I always say is it's Venus reminding us what in our mind is getting away, getting in the way of the flood of love in our life. So it's a trigger point. It's called the catalyst. It's either where we get triggered in our relationships or where we catalyze that love, that transformation, that intelligence into our relationships. So it's a very important kind of critical moment, actually, to look at not only who I was as I became an adult, as I incarnated that next cycle in my life, but also where does that teenage mind either stay flexible or is it getting triggered and kind of giving that out as its gift? And thus the idea of karma of making more constrictions, of tying more knots in this fabric of love. Mm, Oh my God, I love it. And because I'm a behavioralist, I feel like these next ones I've I can see like the developmental stages sitting there in there as well. And I just think that's so powerful. And so I, in my IQ, I have the 17 lion one. And I love what you're saying because I I as a as a teenager, that's when I did actually start to find my voice. I started to notice that my opinion did matter. Um, you know, sometimes if I if I shared it, then um people would care. Uh, And I think it's actually, it's something that I think now that with my, um, you know, I think it's the far-sightedness of the 17. Like when I'm open, when my heart is open, 
I can see everyone's opinion. You know, I remember sitting around a dining table many, many years ago with family and everything, and it was not long after um, after September 11, and I was sitting there and I was going, but don't you ever wonder, because the people who did this thing, although it's terrible, don't you ever wonder, like, that's their belief system. They genuinely thought they were doing good, just like when we go and teach toddlers how to um, I don't know how, or, or just play with toddlers, like that's doing something good. That's our belief system versus their belief system. And everyone was enraged and they were like, oh, you can't say that. And I'm like, but I can. And I feel like that's my 17. It's that that ability to um, be able to see things from everybody's different opinions. And I can also see the way I get I can get really trapped as a defense mechanism in like my own opinions. Like I've done the work, I know the thing. And as soon as I I recognize that, I'm like, oh no, you know, like, you know, it's it's back to that um open mind again, that ability to listen to other people's um insights. Well, what a beautiful story. I love that of like finding that your opinion matters. I think that's a really important part of like just because it's a shadow doesn't mean it doesn't matter. In fact, it's for me, that jinky is really powerful in teaching me about opinion because opinion is laser light. It, it's it's collapsed itself into one particular view. So like when you describe, oh, I defend my opinion, I did the work and I'm done. That's more what it means by the shadow of opinion of saying you've stopped seeing the larger picture and you're crushing the potential of love to flow through the mind because it's only seeing one pathway. And the genius of this jinky is exactly what you're saying of not only just to see everyone's belief system, but to see the fabric of consciousness moving, the patterns of consciousness moving. So here you are as a behavioralist, right? You've cha- you've you've channeled this passion for seeing the way energy moves through the system in a way that can uplift, which I think is the real ge- the genius of the 17 when it starts to help the school of fish find a more beautiful way forward that opinion isn't now isolating us into into these specific things. And I think that's a powerful teaching for the young child of you can have questions, you can have, you can have that open mindedness to see like, can we can we talk about this in a different perspective without only forcing ourselves into one opinion, but you see how it's also triggering others, right? So your open mindedness might also trigger the defense system of others. And that's the beauty of this catalyst is, well, now we've opened a door now, 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 you know, and so I'm sure as a practitioner and, and everything that you do, you have to be very careful of, is that invitation actually there, right? Are we going to, am I going to train that laser like wisdom of my life into this moment? And is that consensual because it's going to trigger naturally. And we might notice that in the subconscious ways in our relationships of oops, my opinion triggered you or your opinion triggered me. The doorway got opened. And and that's where I think the catalyst really transforms and said, okay, now we have fuel for our relationship to develop even more intelligence as opposed to, uh-oh, I'm triggered, you're triggered, defense systems up, relationship breakdown. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love that. And, you know, just in one of my um, governing beliefs is to be curious, not judgmental. And I feel like that's, that's my 17. You know, the moment, I, again, one of my things is like I'd much rather sit at a dinner party with someone I disagree with than someone who's boring because at least I'm going to learn something or I'm going to see something from a different point of view. Um, 
you know, so yeah, I feel like my 17 plays out a lot, but it's also, I can feel that, that part of me that when I'm out of my comfort zone or, um, whatever it might be, I can hold on to it. You know, there's that part of me that can just hold on to it. Well, I know this. Do you? But really, do you? I love it. So good. Um, okay. So what? what's next? Where do we go to next? So it, it moves across the chart on the pathway of intelligence into the EQ, which is Mars. And it's, I love this dance of IQ, EQ, emotional and, and mental um, and also this inner masculine, inner feminine part of ourselves, right? No matter what we identify externally, we have these different dynamics playing. And with Mars and Venus, thinking of like this artist or warrior, right? That's always my Mars question of, am I in the warrior defending my EQ? Or am I in the artist dancing with the fuel of my EQ? And that's this pinnacle point because in in the uh, developmental cycles, we're talking ages seven to 14, this emotional development of I'm being more and more separate from mother, but I'm not separate from the unit. And I'm interacting now with friends and with hormones and with, you know, things are changing and I need to learn these emotional boundaries. And so the emotional boundaries as an adult become vital to our intelligence, right? Our emotional quotient, our intelligence in relationship dynamics is all about a healthy cell membrane, in my experience, lets the correct information in and communicates healthily out without becoming a locked wall. And so, you know, when it's locked, suddenly I'm in fight or flight or freeze. When it's open, too open, I'm in, I have nothing, I have no healthy boundaries and I'm just subject to the whims of the universe. And so the other metaphor I'll use to wrap this is also the cauldron of enough safety in my belly. And, you know, actually I'm a sacral generator, so of course it's my belly, but I do feel that natural safety in our body to say, I have enough emotional intelligence so that I can let what's bubbling inside me bubble until the appropriate time to share. And if something attacks me, I have enough, you know, my inner masculine's got my back to just be there with some strength without going full warrior and hurting unnecessarily causing damage externally. So these are the balance points I find in that EQ, that emotional intelligence. Oh, my goodness. Like I've done both. So as a kid, I was so shut down. I didn't say anything. I was super shy. Um, you know, we didn't do emotions in my family um, and I'm an emotional being. So I did that, like I shut it down. And then by my 20s, I went the other way. I'm like, oh, wow, look, there's these emotion things in here and I can express them. And it was like, ah, you know, like a pack of wild horses were just free and it was learning how to, to work with them. And I love that. And I love the, you know, almost the paradox of, the, the EQ being Mars and the IQ being Venus, there's like this paradox that's constantly, you know, like we are not one thing. We are always flowing. There is always the equal and opposite parts. And I I think that's so important because I, I know that when we, we get too much into the emotion, we can forget the masculine part and that we need the masculine part because it's where we get the movement. It's where we get the, mm. the, the progress, you know, um, and I think my EQ is probably one of the ones that, um, you know, I have always felt like I'm very emotionally intelligent. However, I can see these extremes. I've got the 60 line one in there. And so much of my early life was limited 
um, emotionally. I was just, I was, I had that, I had it all worked out inside. I was having all these conversations. I could see all the dynamics outside of me, everything, but it was like, I'm just keeping it all inside of me. And then I've also noticed over the years, especially in relationships, I would go straight to that, that shadow of like, I'm the one who's limited. I'm the problem. Um, it's me, you know? So it's definitely an area that I've done a lot of work on and I'm doing a lot of work on at the moment. And it's one of the gates, one of the gene keys that even working with a lot of clients, like what is realism? You know, I feel like I haven't got to that place yet. And every time I listen to it, I'm kind of like, you know, like my vocation, the first time I listened to the 43, I was like, oh my God, this, this is literally me. This is me. Whereas the 60, I've not had the same sort of resonance. So could you kind of help me? Like when we feel that way, how do we start to work with it? I love that question. Realism, you know, it's, it's gets a bad rap because that word that the connotation of that word feels limiting even it's like, oh, I'm either being realistic, which is different than idealistic or, and for me, it's about, you know, and I think, I believe it's in the chapter magic is real. So if we start with the foundation of magic is real. One of my teachers would always describe, you need the cauldron, you need the rumpty dump, you need all the ritual for the big poof to happen. So by developing tools, it's not limiting the the possibility of what's happening. It's creating structure so that that explosion, like when you described, oh, I was really shut down and then I was really open, right? I didn't build the tools yet to how can I access this emotion without just spilling it everywhere, right? And so we tend to think of rules as limitations, right? And so it's like, no, 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 that's either safety, right? We love our safety, or we love to hate authority for putting us in a box and telling us there are rules. But really, there's an intelligence building there, our our mycelium, our, our neurons, you know, are needing certain pathways and are growing certain pathways for then the flood of the in moment intuition to be very healthily prepared, right? So we're building practice practice ways for then the ah the flood of emotion and i'm sure you i can tell you're really like incredibly brilliant powerful person but you're contained in a healthy way you're grounded so like i know the shakti could flow in a moment but it doesn't mean i'm going to be blown out and feel unsafe and that's for me your realism has developing tools to know the magic of you and the flood of emotions and the truth all flowing through but with enough structure so that it doesn't just cause harm right and that's why justice is there that city is like not i need to enact justice on you or the government needs to enact justice on this other guy but that life is a system of balancing different extremes and it's naturally going to balance these extremes and i get to participate in that balance i'm not required but I do get to participate in that balance. And that's where I get to be alive inside. I, I sometimes call this key a Gaia key is just like, don't even think about it as, as earth justice. Think of it as like planetary justice, as biomes regulating with each other. So in your EQ, we're talking about your emotional systems regulating with your, you know, the fluids in your body, the neurological responses in your body and your response to other suddenly you have pathways for that love to flow in a really powerful way. Does that mm-hmm. resonate as a Oh realism? my God, so much, so much. And, and I think like 
my catalytic moment was being diagnosed with depression and panic disorder and being told that there was nothing I could do about it. I just thought I was going to have to learn to manage it. And that wasn't an option. So I went and studied happiness and the brain and uh, psychology and neuroscience and created the structures, you know, and that, that helped me create the structures that rewired my brain that, you know, brought me back into that emotional equilibrium. Um, and it, you know, that justice piece, because I'm, you know, I've got the 37 and the 40 and it's such a, like balance is such a massive thing. Equality is such a massive thing for me. So that makes, that really resonates. Cause I feel like it's a big theme throughout my entire, you know, gene keys or chart or whatever. Like it's a big thing for me finding that balance. So that makes so much sense. Thank you. So the SQ, is that next? Yeah. So you have this trinity, the IQ, the intellectual quotient, the EQ, the emotional quotient, and then the SQ, the spiritual quotient was what that SQ stands for. And it's right in the center of the chart. And I love that because it's a design Venus and I always call it the heart of the chart. And this is developmentally speaking, zero to seven, like after we're born into those first seven year cycle, our physical body is forming, our, our, we're still very much connected to that innocence on the other side of the veil. And that's where it stands in the chart is this is your mythical innocence. I always think of who is the lotus born part of yourself, just that pure baby that is just love coming into this dimension for a moment. What if that is who you are? What can we relax into that without some of the story of the shadow? And it doesn't mean there's not that shadow in there because, but I think there's a little bit of care of not trying to diagnose our zero to seven-year-old as having a shadow, right? Not not trying to crush this preciousness of our innocence by saying it's wrong. Now, of course, there are some places where we develop defense patterns, and there's some places where we may have had conditioning. So the SQ is kind of remembering what is love naturally? What is what is relaxed love? And how can I reparent myself now? knowing this is the potential of that innocent child of mine. So I like to like literally look at it as the child essence inside me, as well as that myth. And so what did I love when I was a kid? What are the superhero tales that I loved? Or what are the, what are the gods and goddesses? And, and what still lights me up like that now? You know, what, what gets me out of bed thinking magic is still a possibility. That's what the SQ, the flood of love is able to live our mythical life here and now. So it's kind of a balance of that primordial innocence and also maybe that Olympian uh, lion-hearted part of ourselves of what we get to be shining out that love. Oh, I love this. And it's one of my favorites. And as a parent, one of the things, and I don't remember where I was, probably the the um, class that you guys, the the one that I bought from you guys, and Richard actually refers to this is what your children need. And mm. I've got um, the five line six. So I've got double patience, 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 patience. Um, and one of my kids has patience. And what was I doing? I was always trying to rush him. You know, my mom was always very patient with me, but school was very impatient with me. And I was diagnosed with dyslexia. Um, and they were constantly trying to hurry me up, hurry me up with reading, hurry me up with maths, hurry me up with everything, which just, of course, meant that I could make no, no sense of anything. Um, and my other son, I think, is uh, mentoring. So as a parent, I've kind of said, well, I'm just going to support my kids with these things, these simple things, with patience and with mentoring. And now that my kids are a bit older, they're 16 and just about to turn 12, 
um, I can see how these are the things that they really have needed. Like all this other stuff that we try to do as parents is important as well. Don't get me wrong. But for me, it's like, okay, when I get overwhelmed as a parent and if when I question, am I doing the best thing? What do I need to know? Well, I need to know how to um, ask them good questions and they're both pure MGs. So I'm like, okay, tick. Um, teach them how to trust their sake response, tick. And then I feel like this is so important, this line number, um, because it's a game changer for me. Because when I dived into this, um, into this gene key, I can't tell you how much I cried because, mm. you know, everything in my life has taken time. And I have this, this really amazing pattern that it takes time until it doesn't. And then all of a sudden, there's this epic quantum leap. But it's in that first part that I have, you know, quit and self-sabotaged and believed it's not going to happen and all of these things. Whereas if I am actually just patient with myself, with the other person, with the situation, with the relationship, all of a sudden this quantum leap, like like magic, just appears from nowhere. Like how did that happen? But this is a place where I've really learned to, like I probably lean into, I wouldn't say the most, but it's right up there. Absolutely. And it's so powerful that what you're describing is the 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 texture of how that plays out in your life, that opening, that spaciousness that you didn't necessarily get when you were a kid. And now you're giving that patience and time and space to your relationships, to the things that aren't working in life. And that's the the vibrancy of that SQ really coming to life. And specifically, there's a trust in the line six patients, right? And that time and space is a relaxing and trusting the longer cycles that that have justice that have you know and and also patience being a uh it's a it's a heaven and water so like committing to this fresh moment i hear that in you when you look at your child and you're committing deeper to this fresh moment for them that doesn't mean i'm patient for when they'll get it right later which is that school mentality of if we force it then it'll be better than what it is you know and same with our relationships if i force the change i know is happening that will be better whereas patience says i'm committing to this moment and this moment includes change but I'm not committing to the one day it being fixed. And I love that. I want to honor your heart as a sage, line six, the sage of timelessness, and that your heart in its natural state teaches us how to enjoy and be in our tranquility of that timelessness. Mm, thank you. Thank you. Because it's definitely, you know, it's a, it's something that I want to give to those people that I love, you know, like real patience, exactly what you said. It's like, uh, although I totally believe in my children and that they're going to achieve whatever they want to achieve, that's not where they need the patience. And I know it because I've walked it. They need the patience right now that maybe I will, maybe I won't, but you're here with me right here, right now. And it's taking whatever it's taking. So, yeah. And I think we all need that, you know, whether we have patience in our chart or yes, not. Exactly. <laughs> um, amazing. Okay. So let's go to the the core wound. Let's and, and I love that this also becomes our vocation. Again, from you know, my experience, it makes perfect sense because you know, in our deepest shadows, in our greatest pains and traumas, most often comes our greatest gift to the world. So it makes sense to me. But tell us a bit about the core wound and, and how specifically we work with it. Mm. 
I love that. You know, and this final sphere in the Venus sequence, as you're saying it, if you look at your chart, it becomes the vocation. But in the Venus, it's called the core or the core wound because it's the underlying pattern. What if all those other shadows we just talked about, the underlying frequency was this this shadow, this this wound. And mythically, we're talking about that moment of conception, that moment that I'm no longer whatever unified form I was before this life. I'm suddenly individuating into these cells in my mother's wombs. And, and what if I brought with me that unique code, that poison that's going to become the greatest medicine? And as it develops in our in the womb, in the gestation of the womb, which hopefully can be one of the safest places we'll experience on this planet. And of course, we're constantly being influenced by all of the challenges, the wounds, the traumas, the, you know, even in our greatest intention, we're, I'm not a father yet, but I have been told by many parents that there's no getting out of encode, you know, (laughs) passing on something into our children, but we're giving that patience. So how to work with the core is how do we give ourselves that level of tender care in the hardest, deepest, darkest moments. And for me, I always look at this image. There's actually an amazing artist, Autumn Sky. She has this great fetal position seed of a woman just curled up in the fetal position and a mandala of life around you. And that that's what I invite every single person of that moment is the most intimate moment with the most intimate part of ourself. That's what pain is, is it's a doorway to breathe into the most intimate parts of ourselves. And if we give that opportunity and I, and what, how like slow down, feel, give yourself the sacred space to feel, you know, and that might not be in this moment because I'm driving and I'm taking the kids to school and I have this, but is it, is it worth committing to taking that time tonight to actually stop with no other sensations with my hands on my body and receive that part of me that got triggered. And hopefully that'll give me the capacity. What I've found is it gives me the capacity to find, to access that more quickly. So now when I see that shadow, I'm very intimately aware of this depth that I've, as my Qigong teacher would say, pennies in the piggy bank. Every time we breathe into those places, we're putting pennies in the piggy bank. I've been giving myself this incredible cultivation so that now in that moment, whoa, this is not about you, Emma. This is about mom. This is about mom's mom. This is about something so deep in my childhood that is so challenging that it's not even about me. That's how deep this goes. It's it's not even a, it's, it's mine and it's so not mine. When I have access to that, I also have access to a whole lineage of love that says, great, that connects me with all. That connects me with source. This is the umbilical cord that's connecting me into a whole wellspring of energy that's actually my vocation. And so that's why I've experienced enough life and death situations, enough death, enough grief to know that when the chips are down, love is there. It's not always evident. And I don't mean it's easy at all. That's what I think the initiation of the core is, is it doesn't feel easy and it certainly takes time. But is it worth committing to giving that part of myself time to gestate and grow and unwind and unfurl? That's how I would work with the core. How I do work with my core. Wow. Holy moly. That is so beautiful. And I am reflecting on mine. So it's the 43 line six. And, you know, I remember as a kid always saying, whether it was out loud or in my head, like, I'd rather not know. I'd rather not know. 
I'd rather not know. And it's so that that shadow of deafness, you know, like I was choosing to be deaf. Um, and one of the, the things that I've learned, I've had this relationship with my intuition, with my insights, that it's taken me years to trust them, to, you know, I've tried to turn myself inside out into doing all of these different methods the way other people do it, whether it's mediumship, whether it's just listening to my intuition, whether it's my clairs, whatever it is. And what I've discovered, and it's really funny because on the Camino, I was like, I feel like it's the icing on the cake. I Someone in my community put, put this beautiful thing in Facebook, um, this post or this article, and there was this little piece that was really important and really spoke to me. And it said that whatever we overpack on the Camino shows us our fears, shows us what we fear we don't have enough of. And when I was reading that, I was like, hmm, of course, because I, of course, need to think about that. I need to contemplate that for me. And I was like, I didn't overpack anything. I didn't overpack any. And then it dawned on me. I overpacked a journal, pens, incense, crystals, all the freaking spiritual stuff, because that's where I feel like there's not enough inside of me. And for me, you know, and the 40, there's so much depth to the 43 that I'm like, oh my God, that's me. That's me. That's me. But this has been my core wound that you need to stop looking for everybody else's way to access and just know that you're already there. You know, that this, and, and to top all of that off at the end of the Camino, if you walk to the ocean, part of the ritual is that you have to immerse yourself in the ocean nine times um, to cleanse yourself of everything. Um, so of course, like a good little devotee, I did that. And as I'm coming out of the ocean, I freaking stand on something. Um, something bites me. I get stung by something. And being Australian, I instantly like, is this going to hurt me? Is this like it? And usually I'm cool as a cucumber. I'm fine. I can handle it. And later on, I'm reflecting with one of the um, amazing humans I walked with, Elizabeth Ralph. And I said to her, what's with that? Like I did all the cleansing, all the thing. And then I instantly stand on something that stings me. And she just turns to me as, you know, just so simply and effortlessly. And she said, because you didn't need it, Emma. Like you didn't need it. You left it all on the Camino. You don't need to be doing all these things. Stop it. And I was like, oh my God, there it is again. So yeah, I would love any insights that you have on the 40, 43 or the line six, but yeah, I feel like it's my ever present teacher. That's such a fantastic insight, right? Like that's that's the aha, uh, like gotcha moment of the universe through you, and like I love that story. And I'm I, part of it with the line six, like you deeply modeling your truth, including going through all these layers of not this and not this and all the things that I think I need to be. And I mean, you going through that story and modeling it so transparently but also really elegantly you know there's an exquisiteness to that line six that's investing your learning of life back into life we all get the opportunity to laugh and be like that's totally me too like thank you for teaching that part of me and and i and you took the time to ask the question at each step and that i think is the sage of epiphany right there is patient enough to direct that inquiry back in as these ahas emerge, as a myriad of them will continue to emerge. 
<laughs> yeah, it's my favorite thing. The breakthrough, the epiphany. You know, my husband used to say all the time, like, okay, what's today's epiphany? I'm like, yeah, there is. It's coming. <laughs> but maybe that that piece that I really love about overpacking the spiritual thing that's a very I love that story. Thank you for that. Is the line six at its wound level thinks it is separate from God and is so betrayed and abandoned and left from the infinite that it uses its story to try to find, you know, and, and, and what an amazing gift is in that aspiration to seek, to find, to, may I shower myself with sandalwood pow- powder heaped high as Mount Maru to remind myself that this offering isn't for me, right? I, I bring this to remind myself externally, and that's not what it's for. So even the gathering of them and not over, you know, and, and, and giving them back, that's what I think the sixth line sage is here to do is to actually invite consciousness back into the body, to invite all that back home and to be patient with yourself on the journey of letting you not being in your cellularly, you are God. That's a great thing to know, you know, up here. It's a great thing to read. It's a great thing to to sing about, but it's it's a different thing to cellularly trust that every day. So that's you, your great vocation in this world will be to walk with every footstep, bringing deeper and deeper into the cells, the epiphany, the 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 iridescent breakthrough that melts all boundaries. That's what that jinky does. It melts all boundaries that are these perceived boundaries between self and love. And, and you get to, you get to have that as your great vocation of letting that sink deeper and deeper. Oh my God. I could just cry because I can feel it. It's so resonant. So true. You know, <clears throat> even my, uh, everything it's like, wow, the, you know, I lost my, my grandfather at three and he was my favorite human. And in that moment, I'm like, there is no God. And the journey from there to here, like it's just this divine, you know, um, artistry, this pattern, this journey. It's like, oh, it just makes so much sense far out. That is so beautiful. Thank you. I I have to listen to, I'm going to have to go back and listen to this myself because it just really spoke to me, really, really spoke to me. So thank you so much for your words. Now, I want to ask with the Venus sequence and maybe even with the Gene Keys, what is something that that's really important that we haven't spoken about yet? What 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 else is there that we need to share with our listeners? You know, it's we have an approach in the Jinkies, the the Jinkies approach of gentleness and patience and inquiry, asking questions and contemplation, taking the time in the day throughout every, uh, but not taking time away from your day. I think that's the real key. Is that for some people they don't get a breakthrough immediately. Kind of your Camino story is like a really important thing. It's like, where's our comparison energy of what we think we're supposed to be getting, what we expect to be getting. I started the Jinkies and I hated the Jinkies. And here I am 12 years later, very much central and inside it. You know, it's like letting, letting these keys take their time, I think is one of the most challenging and most rewarding parts of it. And so, especially if you're listening to this and you're also interested in human design, then maybe you're not as intimidated by the numbers and the gadgets and the gizmos and all the all the lines. But but that can also be very challenging. Is is it's not a code and you're not on the outside because you don't know the code. The code is in you. 
And the mm. code will never tell us the answer, but it will absolutely create some framework where that answer is allowed to flow and hopefully a language to find others so that you can speak authentically about that that is inside you. Oh my goodness, that is beautiful and so profound, especially in this world where we're all hustling to, you know, on our spiritual development or our um, personal development or business development, whatever we're doing, it's that ability just to take the step back. And I love the whole just bringing it into your day, just noticing it and allowing it to, to guide you. You know, one of the things that I love doing in my, um, community and my membership community in HDX is we'll be on a coaching call and someone's going to say, look, I just, um, I want to go deeper into my incarnation cross or activation sequence. And they're looking to me to to say, well, this is this and this is that. And in turn, I will often turn around and say, well, what does it mean to you? What are the belief systems? What's the identity of the person you're becoming? How can your design inform or influence that? And People look at me like, what? Uh, what? I'm like, yeah, it's you. It's your journey. Like I can give you this framework and I can teach you how, but it's you. And I think that's the thing that I love about the Gene Keys so much because, I mean, I've done all my sequences a bunch of times. I have, in, one, in fact, one of my goals for my book is that I want my book to be like the Gene Keys. Like I take the Gene Keys everywhere, whether it's the big clunky book whether it's the one that's on my phone, the audible version, it's always with me because I can access it. You know, I, I just, it's like that friend that you can just lean into and there's no end goal. It's just like a conversation that you can kind of be like, wow, this thing's really uncomfortable. Or wow, this thing keeps showing up. Um, and I think that is what's so profound about the Gene Keys is that in the world we live in where there's so many experts and structures and the masculine, it's so feminine. It's here to support and to nurture and give you what you need when you need it. And then the next time you go back, there's something more, there's something deeper, um, there's something wiser. You know, like in this moment, you just sharing that 43 stuff, I'm just like, whoa, I really need to go back up to that because that's amazing. So I want to say a huge thank you. I could talk to you all day, but I'm going to have to let you go. So please, can you let my listeners know um, where they can access this wisdom? And you, of course. (laughs) <laughs> well, definitely check out jinkies.com if you haven't. And the the courses that are there, they're all self-study. Um, and we also do uh, occasional retreats. And I'm so grateful with Ten Mayo or sometimes with Richard or other guides and ambassadors will guide uh, these collective retreats, which is also prof- profound. Um, and then if you're also interested in my work, uh, fractaldoors.com. It's where I have my visuals and my music as well as my personal session work. And um, you know, I also do sm- smaller retreat work, probably like you do as well and so it's it's just i just love what you described about that feminine infinite wisdom of this is a great wellspring of wisdom and wherever you're drawn to trust that intuition because it's all holographic and so if the venus sequence work inspired you and you want to dive in there just you know explore like make the commitment find out what's in there for you and watch the hologram kind of weave you to the next the next line and uh and there are incredible guideposts along the way but that would be my my invitation Mm, 
I love that. We're going to put everything in the show notes. I, If you don't own the freaking Gene Keys, I recommend going and get the freaking Gene Keys, even if it is overwhelming. Like I'll often say to people early in their journey and they're like, oh my God, I just don't get it. And I'm like, there's nothing to get. So if it's freaking you out, just pop it down, you know, or listen to it. And if one thing jumps out, just think about that one thing or just sit with that one thing. Um, so yeah, peeps, go get it. Elijah, thank you so much for being here. I'm really, really grateful for your time and for everything that you've shared and for going through my Venus sequence as well. So thank you. It was such a pleasure, such an honor. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks everyone for being here. I trust that you got what you needed from today and I'm so grateful for all of you listening and I look forward to having you on the next podcast. Bye for now. Thanks everyone for being here all the way to the end of the podcast. I hope you got lots of value out of it. I certainly had a lot of fun doing it. Could I please ask that you share this podcast with friends if you found it valuable? And also, bonus points, could you leave a review for me as well on Apple? It would be greatly appreciated. If at any point you would like to be on the podcast or you've got questions that you'd like me to discuss on the podcast, by all means, get on my socials and DM me. Everything you need is there in the show notes. Have an awesome day. Bye for now.